Welcome to the Mycotoxin Matters podcast from Alltech Mycotoxin Management. As mycotoxins present an ever-increasing threat to livestock production, join us as we discuss these impacts and potential solutions, sustainable farming, and our vision for a planet of plenty. Hello and welcome to our latest episode of Mycotoxin Matters. My name is Nick Adams, Global Director for Alltech's Mycotoxin Management Team. And today we are going to focus on the European Green Deal with all of the changes that have been taking place uh, in Europe in particular over the past uh, couple of months with the war in Ukraine. There has been a, a sort of refocusing of the European Green Deal or, or some of the objectives of the European Green Deal. And what we wanted to do today was uh, talk with uh, Kieran Black, uh, who is an independent consultant that's been working uh, in the area of strategy and innovation with a particular interest in sustainability and with that the the European Green Deal and and Kieran has been working with Alltech now uh, for the last number of years uh, in this capacity and also with Nicholas Bode uh, who is Alltech's European Technical Manager for the Crop Science Division. Nicholas has uh, been with Alltech for the past eight years and has a special uh, focus and interest in and around sustainable farming systems. And so we wanted to take some time today to go through what these changes and and the discussions that have uh, ensued mean for the European Green Deal, and what are some of the the consequences and potential uh, opportunities that come uh, from them. So maybe, Kieran, we could start with you and and you could give us just a little bit of a recap on what the European Green Deal is and, 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 and where are we right now with it in light of recent events. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Nick, and, and great to be on the uh, on this this episode. So maybe just to recap, uh, the Green Deal was a, a series of uh, huge packages that were put together, policy packages by the EU back in around 2000 or so. And the overall objective of the Green Deal is to reach carbon neutrality for uh, the trading block of the whole of the EU by 2050. And an interim target was to be minus 55 by 2030. So that's the overall context. And within that for the agriculture sector, there's a series of uh, policies and strategies that are bundled under what's called the farm to fork strategy, which sets out the pathway to to 2030. And under the farm to fork uh, series of, of initiatives, there are kind of a five main targets. It's to reduce pesticide use by 50%, uh, to reduce um, pollution caused by excess nutrients to reduce nutrient losses by 50%, to reduce fertilizers by 20%, uh, to also address uh, antimicrobial resistance by uh, reducing the sale of antimicrobials by 50%, and finally is to um, promote organic farming, to try and achieve 25% of farmland being used by organic farming by, by 2030. So that's the that's the kind of policy framework in, in which we're, we're dealing with now. And so 
When we think about that, and in light of the events in Ukraine now, what have been the, the discussions that have taken place within uh, the the EU as a result of those, and what are you know potentially some of those consequences? Yeah, so you know, well, well, first off, you know, obviously the war in in Ukraine is you know it's a huge human tragedy. Um, and we obviously have to address that as a as the priority. But in terms of its knock-on effects on the Green Deal and farm to fork, you know, the impact that we're seeing from this is, you know, severe supply chain disruption, shortages in the availability of key inputs like fertilizer and pesticides, you know, and an overall increase in input costs generally across the agriculture sector. And ultimately, we're seeing end food prices, you know, increase and a reduction in availability. So those kind of impacts create a very difficult environment for the EU to follow through on its EU, uh, on its Green Deal objectives and, and targets. So there has been some pressure to say, look, should we rethink the Green Deal? Is it appropriate? Is it something that's achievable? So it has been challenged in, in that sense. But if you actually think of what... Um, the options for the Green Deal are, well, you know, the spectrum really is we could abandon the whole thing and say, we're not we're not going to try and do that. Or we don't change it all. And we just say we're going to continue on as if nothing is happening uh, in relation to the war. So, the, you know, the reality is we're going to find uh, that we'll, we'll be somewhere between the two ends of that spectrum. So it's more a matter of timing, really, because I don't believe there is any deep interest in abandoning uh, the fundamental objectives of the Green Deal. And, you know, we've seen recently the IPCC report that reinforced that need for change and to address the, the climate emergency. So, you know, it's it's not it's not going away. I, I think uh, from the, the political response has been relatively quiet, I think, in relation to uh, agriculture. The one thing that's happened really is, is there was a proposal to have um, an announcement on the pesticide rules uh, towards the end of March that was delayed um, and no new date for that. So it's more, it's just they've stayed quiet on it, haven't really looked at wholesale changes. Um, but I think it's fair to say that we're still moving in the direction of much more increase in, in sustainability. It's it's here to stay. So the, the question really is, how much do we delay targets, if at all, and if we do delay some targets, is what's the pathway to get back on track? How fast do we come back up that curve? Is it a steep curve or is it a, a slower curve? And I think the only real way we'll find the answer to that is, is to have a greater clarity around what's the likely dur duration of the war uh, and to see the impacts. I, I think probably uh, the political will is just to, to sit tight for now. Kieran, it, it's interesting those points and and you know this concept of a delay. What is that the the, the, the consequence of that? In that you know we talk about the, the trajectory and really we're on a very steep trajectory. And and what we're saying is the delay is going to make that even steeper. So it's it's not that we have good options around that or we don't have a lot of a lot of leeway, if you like. Yeah, that's true. But I, I think what's interesting is that really what the war has done and the impact of that that I've mentioned in terms of the 
shortages of availability of key inputs and increase in input costs and, and uh, lack, lack of avail availability for end consumers is that it's kind of brought forward an early experience of what the of what the Green Deal is trying to address in the first instance, you know, things like security of supply and the, the challenges of the increased cost of production. So there's, there's two aspects to this. One is, I think, um, you know, that the industry and the sector will be forced to test very early on the policies and the strategies and the technologies that have been put forward as being the solutions. So, so those will become um, much more focused, very clearly understand in terms of what the real on the ground challenges are, are to those. We'll have first hand experience of the road test of that. So I think maybe some reality will come out of that. Um, and that could be positives as well as negatives. We may have some technologies that are there that are, are are very effective, but it all comes down to a price. And are we willing to pay that? The second aspect, which I think is really interesting, is that heretofore we've really focused, our policies have focused on the industry to make the changes. And a much slower side of it is to look at the demand side. But but with this, we've we've seen consumers are facing the impacts of increased food prices and, and lower availability. So for the first time, they're experiencing the reality of climate change challenges firsthand. And I think that means there's a greater awareness of really what those policies are trying to achieve uh, and the difficulty and the seriousness of it. And I think it should motivate people to do something about it, uh, hopefully that they don't turn to despair and they see that there are solutions there. So I think that's that, that's a very interesting thing. I think it opens up a slightly broader range of policy initiatives that uh, the Commission can take in order to address this. So if you think of it, to date, it has been either penalise or incentivise the supply side, obviously, you know, producers and farmers, and, and hope that consumers would um, respond to that. And sometimes sustainability measures might have been seen as being a bit of a premium and customers would only pay over the odds for that if they were really interested in that. If we see this overall price curve jump for consumers, the question really then is, do we let that drop straight back down and try and achieve the really low prices for, for food that have been criticized in the past for, for causing many of these problems? Or do we maintain that price and, and try and shift the awareness uh, and the percentage of wallet that is paid for food? I think that's a new opportunity that the that the policy hasn't had in the past. So I think the the opportunity on the on the demand side is with slightly higher food prices that that consumers are seeing. Can we convince them to consider? continue spending at that level in order to produce food that is more sustainable, greater security of the supply, more resilient, et cetera. Um, so I think it's quite similar to what we're seeing on the energy side, where governments have stepped in to support households in paying their electricity bills or their energy bills. And consumers are understanding those energy issues much better and seem to be supporting renewables um, much more strongly. The challenge for the industry, I think, is can we do the same for food and take that opportunity? Yeah, that, that that's an interesting concept there, Kieran. And, and and maybe the Nicholas, can can you come in at this point and pick up on 
the, the, the comment around the fact that the availability, you know, the challenges in the supply chain actually are going to put stresses on our system, which may, I'll say, mimic uh, or, or bring forward some of the concepts that the Green Deal is looking to achieve. What what do you see in the in the field right now uh, as people are uh, sort of getting underway with with planting? What are your thoughts uh, on that for for this year, so to speak? Thanks, thanks, Nick. Uh... From from the the fields, and I'm thinking mostly uh, about the cereal production, whether it's winter or, or spring cereals. The situation with the availability of fertilizers and their price clearly brings forward the condition forcing to the Green Deal objectives. Uh, as a just a reminder, 20% less fertilizer is the target of the farm to fork strategy for 2030. A lot of farmers will be in this condition this year because they can't get enough fertilizer or because the price of fertilizer is, is too high. <clears throat> so I see this crisis as an accelerator of changes that will be able, able to, to, to test the conditions. Um, if you look at the, the what Arvalis, the, the number one official in technical institute in France, is saying today, is advising to reduce the nitrogen fertilization because of the economical optimum for the production of wheat. Uh, if the price per, I mean, if the ratio between the price per ton of wheat and the price per 100 kilos of nitrogen is below 1.5. Um, so we will see a lot of farmers putting 80% of the nitrogen they would be putting otherwise in many countries in Europe. But at the same time, with the price of uh, grains expecting to stay high for this season and maybe uh, uh, the next year, farmers are willing to do a lot to get a good yield and keep keep feeding Europe and, and the planet. So uh, they are looking at, at alternatives and, and how they can grow the best crop with limited amount of uh, fertilizer and pesticides. So then maybe just quickly, if, if farmers this year do not apply as much fertilizer because they cannot get it and they do not have the access to some of the chemicals around crop protection that they would normally have. What what potentially do you see being the impact of those on things like yield and quality of the final grain? So thanks, Nick. That's, that's an interesting question because obviously uh, with not um, the perfect amount of fertilizer or pesticide, we can expect a crop that will not grow as good as expected. And we we obviously will see impact on the overall yield, uh, especially of, uh, of grains uh, and the spring crops. And we can expect a little bit of decrease in the quality as well. I'm thinking about the protein uh, content. For all the farmers that have not been able to 
have access to enough nitrogen for the last fertilizer spray on the winter wheat, for example, that will clearly have an impact on the on the nitrogen content at the end. Also on the on the mycotoxin uh, impact, I mean it's it's not clear that uh, more fertilizer is always better to lower the mycotoxin or less fertilizer is always better to lower the mycotoxin. But what is clear is that the balanced uh, nitrogen fertilizer in particular is always the best solution for low mycotoxin contamination. So everywhere the crop will be in less than optimal condition, we can expect it to be more sensible to the stress factors that are uh, stimulating the, the mycotoxin uh, production. Thanks, Nicholas. Do we also see acceleration whereby companies like Alltech Crop Science, uh, who have been working in this field for a long time around providing sort of non-chemical uh, approaches to, to life, as it were, do we also see an acceleration around adoption of, of these technologies? What, what are you seeing on that front and what are your thoughts around uh, how uh, companies like Alter Crop Science can help farmers achieve yield and quality that, that they would want to see. So yes, the crisis is clearly an accelerator for change today. And all the technologies that have been around uh, a little bit uh, and, and tested already are seeing a big increase in interest and directly in sales. For example, technologies based on nitrogen fixing bacteria is huge at the moment. Uh, inoculated into the field, they will continuously absorb nitrogen from the atmosphere and bring it back to the plant as it grows, making it an alternative to mineral nitrogen and can replace, depending on the technologies in the fields, up to 40% of the nitrogen needed by the crop. Many companies with these technologies are expecting eight to tenfold increase in sales already this year. Uh, that's also connected to the, the price of, of uh, mineral fertilizers, making these new technologies a lot more competitive. <clears throat> Regarding the protection aspect of, uh, of, of grains, and that has an impact on the mycotoxin level as well, uh, we see the interest for uh, biocontrol solutions, alternatives, uh, for fungicide in particular, in order to to use the chemicals that are available only at the best moment and only if it's really needed, because uh, there is short supply and, and they are at an expensive price. Interesting, uh, and I think you know what what maybe I've, I've taken from the comments that that you have both made is that. You know, first of all, the, the the main priority right here, right now, in with with regards to the war, is the the, the humanitarian crisis, and and the sooner uh, everything is 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 stopped, uh, the the better for all, and and that clearly is the, the the priority. When we bring that on, and we and we talk about the consequences, and we think about the Green Deal, 
the, the governments out there having those discussions around, you know, resetting of goals and, and do we bring these goals forward in the same time frame as we were thinking? Actually, the commercial reality is such that whether they put the the, the goals and objectives in place right here, right now, the supply chain is such that there really won't be any choice around uh, things like fertilizer use and pesticide use because the market will dictate what is available and, and therefore what rates can be applied. But alongside that, there will be an opportunity for the uh, the, the sort of alternative technologies to be road tested in a far greater way than they would have been um, had we had we not seen this this crisis. So it, it, it's interesting to see how this will will play out, particularly for this season. And probably then, you know, one of the the things that is going to really be a be a massive driver is how we deal with the price implications of everything that happens and clearly Kieran you touched on it and it's been in in a lot of the news as we see affordability becoming more and more difficult we, we go back to things like the the Arab Spring and and, and the, the comments around how that really was driven by food prices increasing and the concerns around those sorts of things um, being a consequence of that. Clearly, how we deal with that affordability question globally at a, at a governmental level will, will, will really drive a lot of, of how this ultimately uh, plays out. So, um, Kieran, any final thoughts or comments from, from your point of view? Yeah, Nick, you know, I think if we just, you know, if we think about what sustainability is about, you know, what it's doing is it's internalizing the environmental cost. So it's inevitable that cost will rise once we start to bring that in. And we often talk about mitigation and adaption in relation to, to climate change. And in a sense, mitigation is pain early, but less in the long run, whereas adaption, it's too late almost. So you're paying later but much more. And the war, as you just described, you know, the war is forcing us to pay early. And so the choice really for businesses now really is to ensure that what we're paying early for becomes more sustainable. So the better business choice is to look for those sustainable choices, look for those new technologies, those new solutions that prepare the way for you to have a much better long-term result um, out of a crisis like this. Yeah, uh, it, really, really good comments, Kieran and, and and Nicholas. Maybe the same question to yourself. Sort of final thoughts or comments that you'd like listeners to take away. Um, the, the the consequences of this war is a lot of tension right now on, on the crop that are on the ground or being planted, but and. This will accelerate the adoption of, uh, of new technologies uh, because the value of the crop at the end stay high or will even be, be, be higher at the end of the season. But for the next future and going towards 2030 goals, we can expect farmers to also adopt 
new agronomic practices that will favor lower input crops or lower input systems, uh, resistant varieties more and more and focus on, on the fertility of their soil and their soil health uh, for the long run. They're not able to do that right away because everything is happening too fast, but that's something we can expect for the next planting season. Nicholas, thanks very much for those comments and uh, potentially there's some uh, further material for discussion on uh, episodes of Mycotoxin Matters. Guys, thanks very much for your time and comments today. And should any of our listeners uh, require or be interested in uh, more information around the Alltech Crop Science Technologies, please visit uh, www.alltech.com and we look forward to uh, hosting you again on further episodes of Mycotoxin Matters in the future. We hope you enjoyed listening today and look forward to you joining us next time on the Mycotoxin Matters podcast. For more information on the topics discussed, please visit nomycotoxins.com. That's K-N-O-W mycotoxins.com.